this is Caleb Farley with the Lawrence County Public Library Genealogy Podcast. This is the second episode of the podcast. Today's date is May 29th. In today's episode, I'll be interviewing local teacher and musician David Chico Prince, also known as the Laidback Country Picker. Mr. Prince and I talked about his family history, went into detail about what got him started with playing music, talked about some of the local musicians he remembers or he's played with, and discussed his thoughts on how COVID-19 and social distancing is going to affect different aspects of our lives. I had Chico for two separate classes when I was in high school. I had him for a civics class and a leadership class. I don't know if leadership is still offered in high school, but it was kind of like a student aid class. I would go into his classroom, help him hand out papers, help him with making copies. Um, I would usually end up breaking the copy maker in the teacher's lounge, so they would end up doing the copies for me. But it was in that leadership class that I started to realize I really, really like history. Um, he's actually the reason that I went to Moorhead to you know, go to school to be a social studies teacher. I ended up getting my bachelor's and master's in 8th through 12th history. He was able to make topics that students might not be interested in interesting. Um, something I remembered was he was going over economics and he used the uh, stock exchange. Students would get a fake amount of money where they would be able to buy stocks and you know we got newspapers, like actual newspapers, looked at the stocks, looked at the values, and bought certain amounts of stocks based on how much money we had. And we kept track of them over time. Um, I can't remember if it was a semester long or nine weeks. But we would see, you know, how events in the news would affect the price of things on the stock exchange. Um, You know, people would lose money, people would make money. And it was just a really interesting approach to a somewhat difficult subject like economics, at least difficult to me. I ended up taking three economics classes in college and made C's in it every time. Chico was a huge help to me when I was working on my undergraduate and graduate degrees. I had to do observations and I did them in his classroom and I obviously had to do a lot of research papers and he was able to help me with those too. Last year his multimedia class did a documentary on the history of education in Lawrence County and luckily enough in the genealogy collection here at the library we have a book literally titled The History of Education in Lawrence County. I was able to let his class borrow that book and several other items in our collection and help them use those with the uh, documentary they're working on. So here is the interview I did with David Prince. I hope everybody enjoys it. It is May 29th, 2020. This is Caleb Farley with the Lawrence County Public Library. I am doing an oral history interview with a local teacher and musician, David Chico Prince. You may also know him as the Laidback Country Picker. Today we'll be talking a little bit about his family background and going into some local history about music. All right. Do you prefer to go by David, Laidback, Mr. Prince, Chico? What sounds good to you? What feels good to you, Kayla? We'll go by Chico, since that's what I called you in school. That's fine. All right. So do you mind telling me a little bit about your family background, like your parents, grandparents, stuff like that? Okay. I was born to, uh, my dad was Morton Prince. However, it's, it's interesting, a lot of people know him as Morton Spillman because uh, he was born out of wedlock. His uh, mother, which is my grandmother, was Jetty Spillman. 
and Jetty Spillman met a guy named Leslie Prince. And Leslie Prince was from Pennsylvania and had relatives down here. And uh, she had his child, which would have been my dad, but they weren't married. So since her name was Spillman, a lot of people knew dad as Morton Spillman. However, he, on his birth certificate, it was, he was registered as Morton Prince because his real dad was a prince. So for there was a duality to my dad. A lot of people called his bill and a lot of people Prince. And of course, I went by the name Prince. So that was my dad. My mom was Sue Van Hoos. And I think of her as being from McGoffin County because that, during her teen years, that's where she lived. But they also lived in Logan, West Virginia. Her dad was a coal miner, so they moved around. So uh, I guess they met maybe at a truck stop where my mom was working and uh, they lived in a out Twin Branch in an area that's underwater now. We had to move because of the Eightsville Lake. So uh, Sue and Morton, my parents, uh, talked a little bit about my grandmother on my dad's side. Her name was Jetty. Um, interesting, there was a, her brothers were, uh, and, and there's a large family, I can't remember them all, but the one that I remember the most was Lindsey Spillman and Lee Spillman. And they all lived within a mile of each other in Twin Branch. And I really just circulated around and spent a whole lot of time with all those people. So they were super important. Of course, my grandparents always lived up in McGoffin County. Uh, my mom's dad was um, Jay Van Hoos. And um, my grandmother on that side was Rushi Van Hoos when she was originally at church. I think from around Tudor Key mm -hmm. up in Johnson County. So that's that's my, my immediate family, mm -hmm. I guess. Cool. Um, what about your wife and children? Okay, my wife is Teresa Williams, and she comes from out of, you know, probably get this wrong, I say Martha, probably Terryville is where she would rather be known as from. She comes from a very large family. She has, oh gosh, probably seven or eight brothers and sisters. And I could name them all for mm -hmm. you, but there's a ton of them. And most of them still live here in Lawrence County. We've had a couple moved away. Um, her mom and dad uh, was um, Monty Williams was her mom and Lloyd Williams was her dad. I never met Lloyd. He had passed away before Teresa and I got together, but I knew Monty for quite a time. She was just a sweet, sweet person. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, any kids? I do have a daughter. Her name is Rindy. I named her Rindy Lee Prince, and Lee is after my great uncle Lee, which mm -hmm. I thought the world of. Mm -hmm. And uh, she. Uh, has two children now and she currently resides in Boyd County and she is a teacher at Fallsburg Elementary School and her children are uh, Ollie McDavid and uh, Arnie McDavid and of course she's married to Chris McDavid mm -hmm. not Chris McDavid um, Craig McDavid you have to edit that out <laughs> I used to play in a band with Chris McDavid <laughs> and uh, He's also a teacher mm -hmm. at, at Fallsburg. And he makes really good hot sauce. Oh, the best. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. His habanero is mm -hmm. unequal. I'm a fan. Um, can you tell us a little bit about growing up, where you lived, went to school, stuff like that? Okay, I lived at, um, there's an area, if you go out to Yatesville Lake, and if you go to where the marina is, but you notice that dirt road just keeps going, and mm -hmm. there's like a Boy Scout cabin or something through there. When you come up that dirt road, there's a little straight stretch, and I lived right there on the left-hand side. You know, my place isn't underwater. There's still a walkway there that I used to play on when I was a child. So that's where I was raised. Um, for the longest time, I was an only child, and probably, and I hate to mess the math up here, but I think maybe my sister was born when I was probably eight or nine. Um, just spent the time out there with a dog running those hills out there at Twin Branch. Knew everyone out there. Probably about, I don't know, 73 or so they came. The Army Corps of Engineers said, we're going to build a lake here and you're about to move. So we didn't really want to move. 
And then they lost the funding for it, and it kind of died down. But then by 75, or yeah, I guess about 75, here they came again, and they actually had money. So we had to move from that area, and we moved to High Bottom. And we had an interesting conversation about High Bottom one second ago, but yeah. we probably moved into Louisa about 1975. Okay. Uh, where'd you go to school? Well, it's the odd thing. I went to school at Louisa Elementary School, which I always thought was a bit peculiar because Fallsburg School was closer to mm -hmm. my home. And in fact, for some of my, my elementary school career, I would get on the bus and we would go to Fallsburg and we would pick up some other kids and then come from Fallsburg into Louise Elementary. And now knowing what I know about the school system and they've got everything charted off on which kids go mm -hmm. where, and I guess the cutoff line is Hester Gap. Mm -hmm. So if you live this side of Hester Gap, you're going to mm -hmm. Louisa, and that's why I didn't go to Fallsburg. Mm -hmm. But I went to Louisa Elementary School, mm -hmm. you know, and school really got interesting. And elementary school, which is now Louisa West, yeah. it was uh, first through sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And so after sixth grade, then you went to high school, and the high school was down where Louisa East was now. Mm -hmm. And so it's so cool, my seventh grade year, it was seven through 12. So I got to go with the high school kids mm -hmm. as a seventh grader. Man, it was an eye opener. They were doing things in high school they didn't do back <laughs> in, in sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And so we were there one year in that configuration. And then the new high school opened the next year. So all of a sudden the high school was gone and that became the middle school. Mm -hmm. So my eighth grade year, we were at the Louisa Middle School, which was now Louisa East. And then I went to high school in my final four years at Lawrence County High. So I mentioned earlier you do play music. You're known as the laid-back country picker. Um, could you talk about your music career some, why you got into music, stuff like that? You know, it's been a lifelong situation with me. My dad was just a great musician. Mm -hmm. He was a great fiddle player. He could play like dance tunes, I mean like a square dance tunes. Had a little Cajun fiddle swing to him. He was a great bluegrass banjo player. He could play guitar and upright bass. He really played pretty much any stringed instrument. And so I grew up with music always in my house. Dad was always playing. He had all these friends that he played with. And, you know, I was thinking when I knew I was going to come talk to you, I was thinking about all the people Dad played with. And he, we had a guy, his name was Nathan Prince, and he was an uncle to us. And I'm not sure how the genealogy works, but yeah. it was up Twin Branch. So we would always go to Nathan's house like every weekend. And this is when I'm probably, I don't know, four or five years old. And all these people would come and they would just play music every weekend. It was just what you did. And then I get to know these other guys. There was a guy named Ronnie Woods from Fallsburg, and him and Dad played a bunch together, and a guy named Gene Johnson who played fiddle, and I think he may have been from maybe Elliott County. Uh, a guy named Owen Thompson who's from Fort Gay, and him and Dad played together all the time. I, you know, I can name tons of people. Ernie Henry, there's still a lot of Henrys here in the mm -hmm. county, and he was just a great banjo player. So I grew up with all these cool guys playing bluegrass, and they were just really, really good. And then after I moved from that area there at Twin Branch, and I moved into High Bottom, and you know, it's kind of like, Dad was still playing with those people, but you had to drive off, and so I started hanging out with a new circle of friends, because I've pretty much been a little isolated country boy. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in what to me is town, yeah. they're blacktop streets. <laughs> And so there's some guys playing some music and they're not playing bluegrass. They're, they've got electric guitars, someone playing country music, someone playing rock and roll, and it's the first time I was exposed to it. The first time I ever really recall, and this is in school anyway, there was a school dance, and this is when I was in seventh grade, so this was probably 1975. It's, it's after, after school in the evening. So I go, and it's in the gymnasium, well, the cafeteria. 
and there's a rock band playing. And I'd never really been around a rock band in a room with them before. And I know, I found out later, it's Gary Bryant, mm -hmm. who still lives here in the county. Mm -hmm. So he's got this little band together. I don't remember anything about the music. I just know one, it was super loud. The lights were off, and it had a strobe light on. <laughs> and it had such a profound effect on me. I just stood there in amazement going, this is great. Mm -hmm. It's loud, it's dark, it's, it's just crazy. And that's really the first time I saw a rock band play. And Gary Bryant doesn't know that. In fact, I've never talked to Gary Bryant, but I'd like to. Oh, that's fine. He had a big impact on me. Huh. And I don't know who that, I remember a couple of the band members. I'm trying to think of their names. Um, we can ask Gary sometime mm -hmm. and see. But talking about music in Louisa, we would always come to town on the 4th of July, and that was a really big deal. And there would always be bands playing. Mm -hmm. And I remember being here one time, and I don't remember my parents being with me. I don't know if they brought me into town on the 4th and they went to do something, I just kind of broke away. Mm -hmm. But it was in the courthouse yard. And I just remember this massive setup, and they had like speakers everywhere. And I just knew like these long-haired guys were getting ready to play, and I watched them for a little while, and it was a rock band. Mm -hmm. and, you know, Once again, coming from the bluegrass background, this was all new to me. Yeah. But I was really taken to it. Um, I started to pay attention to some of the bands, and one of the first bands that made a big impact was the Napier Brothers. Mm -hmm. Now, you may say Napier Brothers. I'm not sure of them. Are you familiar with them at all? No, but I'm, I'm familiar with the Napper and Napier okay. difference. So to me, they were the Napper Brothers, yeah. and they were from Fort Gay. And they did just like the country hits of the day. And this would have been mid-70s. I'll never forget, they would always play Queen of the Silver Dollar and just a bunch of other good songs. They were a bunch of brothers. I got to know Ronnie, I can't remember the lead singer's name, I don't know what's ever become of them. They were like, to me, like the country band mm -hmm. of the area. So I would, I would often see them on the 4th of July or other things and I was paying attention to them. Some of the other bands I knew were in the area, there was a band, a, a, a historic Lawrence County or Louisa band called the Class of 37. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they were called the Class of 37, <laughs> I'm sure someone can, can tell you that. I know Jim Pig was in that band. Uh, Joe Norman Pack was in it. I think uh, Paul Chandler, who mm -hmm. used to run the video warehouse place down here, I think he may have played in that band. I think maybe Fred Jones. I saw something where Fred Jones mm -hmm. said he played drums for him for a while. Mm -hmm. So some of these guys are still around. It'd be nice to talk to them yeah. about the class. Fred is somebody that I'm hoping to interview. Oh, Fred. He's, he'd be great for it. A wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Uh, another band, I wound up being in a band later on called Night Train with a guy named George Ray from Mount Blaine. You know, and George's a little bit older. He's 10 years older than me. He said he had a band called Evol, it's E-V-O-L, which mm -hmm. is love spelled backwards. Mm -hmm. And they played the Garden Theater all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris Wells, they were, they were in a band called Edgewater Blue. I know Chris Wells was in that band, a Tracy Hamilton. And it's interesting, and we were talking earlier before we did this, I used to go to Fort Gay and get my hair cut by Ronnie. Mm -hmm. And I guess Ronnie still cuts hair in Fort Gay. Mm -hmm. You know, and what I did, I'll never forget when I went, I took this record cover from a Sammy Hagar record, and there was a guitar player on there named Gary Field. He had the coolest hair on there. And I'd take that record with me and said, hey, can you make my hair look like Gary Fields? And so he did. He, he did this thing, and my hair looked just like Gary Fields. And I thought, man, Ronnie's the coolest guy. So we get to talking about music, and he said, well, you know, there was a band called Edgewater Blue that played around uh, Louisa back in the 70s. He said, I named that band. I came out, I hung out with him and I gave him that name. Mm -hmm. And he was explaining what it meant. Well, I asked Chris Wells earlier about it. I said, weren't you in Edgewater Blue? He said, yeah. And he said, we came up with the name off of a paint can. <laughs> and so I'm not sure if they, I don't know how it mm -hmm. But it's just interesting. <laughs> but just, there was always so much music going on. Uh, I saw the Stanley Brothers in the Garden Theater in 66. And if you want to do the math, I would have been two years old. And to be honest, I have very little recognition of what was going on. Mm -hmm. But I saw the Stanley Brothers, and, and that's pretty cool. So the Garden was a great place to see music. The Fourth of July was always some music going on. And then after I got older, 
in the Louisa Plaza, they would set up and have concerts up there. And I saw the Pig Brothers band play up there one time, and I really was just mesmerized by them because I was an up and coming player, and I wasn't very good, and I really looked up to mm -hmm. those guys. Hmm. Um, how do you think the the area around here has changed when it comes to live music? Man, that, that's a tough call. There's even when I was in high school, I had a little band called Cold Ethel at the time, and we weren't very good. Mm -hmm. We played really loud and played songs probably people didn't want to hear. Mm -hmm. But there would be opportunities for us to play. There would always be a school dance, maybe a couple of school dances mm -hmm. a year. There would be bonfires, and bands would come together and play places like that at school or whatever. The fourth was always big for music, and I'm sure there was a couple other opportunities to play. I don't really see that happening like it used to. There's, um, you know, the gardens, I guess it's opened back up now, mm -hmm. and I don't know if it'll become a music venue again. September Fest has sort of taken over. They still do music on the fourth mm -hmm. over here in the little yeah. park, but it's more bluegrass oriented, mm -hmm. it seems to be. Not that that's bad. And then September Fest will always bring in a, a national mm -hmm. a national act and then have some regional bands play. But there is, I guess the uh, the county fair yeah. is doing some music too. But as far as actual live music, especially consistent basis, well, I, I'm thinking about uh, the tourism committee mm -hmm. tried doing a thing over here last summer. Mm -hmm. the, the music in the park. Music in the park, and, and I think West Kingsmore and those guys are trying to get, get that mm -hmm. going again. So the more I sit and think of it, I guess there are some opportunities, but I just get the feeling there's not this. You know, musicians are a whole subculture and a whole mm -hmm. genre off to themselves. And there used to it seems like there used to be a lot more of those people. Mm -hmm. You know, I could sit there and start naming names. People like James Eddie Mayberry and Jackie Prady and all these guys we looked up to and Chris Wells and the list just goes on and on and on of people. And I don't see that many players now. Yeah. I remember, you know, going up through school, like there were a couple bands that people had. Um, but nothing really happened with it. No. Um, like, you know, they played a little bit in school, they'd break up, they'd start another band a couple years later, they'd break up. Nothing really comes of it. Like, they play, you know, a couple shows, they do stuff during school, like uh, during homecoming, For homecoming, stuff, homecoming, homecoming right. and stuff like that. But nothing like playing venues around town or anything like no, that. No, you're right. I remember uh, probably one of the last, uh, and you may help me, this may be your time period, was uh, Matt Strobel and those mm -hmm. guys. What was the name of their band? Um, oh, I can't, I can't think of it. Uh, Casey Skeens. Was yeah, uh, there was what Terminal Genius. Terminal Genius. That was Kyle Smith. Kyle Smith, The Observer. I want to say Street Cry, but that was the no, Street Cry. That, that was the Blanket Chips. The Blanket Chips and, and Thad. Thad <laughs> yeah. was in that band. Had to throw out Street Cry. No, oh, and rightfully so. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there was a guy that used to be here named Brandy Branham, mm -hmm. and he worked at the radio station. And Brandy always had a band. It would be Brandy and James Hale and Adam Salmons, Mike Skaggs, off and on. And they, they did some, mm -hmm. you know, they wrote their own stuff yeah. and played. But it just seems like it's died out. Mm -hmm. hey, this year teaching, interesting enough, there's a, a pretty young band that came, actually two good rock bands in school. Mm -hmm. A guy named Evan Kinker has a mighty fine band, and uh, there's a bunch of freshmen that have a mm -hmm. real nice band at high school now. So yeah. I was happy to see that. I, uh, I was going in the dollar store, or Dollar General yesterday, there's a sign that somebody had tacked up on the outside. It's a band looking for a musician, uh, singer. Um, they look like pretty young kids, so might be, nice. one of, might be one of their or one of your kids. Where did you see it? Uh, right as you're going to the Dollar General over downtown. I'm have to go there and apply. And yeah, see, see, what they see, what, see what they say. But you know, in, in school, I'm thinking about my little core group of musicians. We really hung out with each other, molded each other. Uh, myself and uh, Jeff Rogers, who lived in High Bottom, right across from me. We both wanted to play together. A guy named Daryl Hall, 
who was a really good guitar player who mm-hmm. helped show us how to play. Mm-hmm. And our first drummer was Chuck Panel. You know, mm-hmm. Chuck has been a staple of Louisa forever, and he mm-hmm. passed away here not too long mm-hmm. ago. Paul Fannin sang for us for a while, and Dave Henson sang for us mm-hmm. for a while, and Dave just passed away here mm-hmm. not too long ago. And really, uh, Dave, you know, he, he was just our Mick Jagger. He mm-hmm. looked cooler than everybody else, <laughs> and he, we just wanted him to sing in the band. Mm-hmm. You know, and that evolved into uh, Cold Ethel, and we stopped playing with Chuck, and we started playing with Bill Hammonds, and then a guy named Mike Compton comes into the scene, and he's passed away now. What's, all these guys are, are not mm-hmm. with us anymore. But just that, that, that group of friends there and the other people we knew that played music, like I said, it was a whole little subculture that I don't think exists, at least in the numbers that, mm-hmm. that it used to. You know, one thing I will say to someone who listens to this, I made a, a little Facebook page called Louisa Music History, mm-hmm. and I invited people to come and, and submit pictures or tell stories about it, and it was kind of a big deal for a couple of years. A couple of years, it's still there, but I don't think it gets a lot of traffic. You know, I know just enough to scratch the surface, mm-hmm. and I, I would really like to see something happen where we put together a, a decent history of Louisa Music. You know, I think about the people who are a little bit older than me, like George Ray and Chris Wells, e- Elaine... Uh, Mary, Mary. Yeah, I mean, they were there on that scene in the 70s, mm-hmm. and they know a lot of these names, so mm-hmm. they need to step up. And, and let's fill in the gaps. Yeah, that, that might be something that we have to work on together. Well, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I've, great. I've got the uh, genealogy page, and we've got the Facebook page here, so if it gets active or something, yeah. I, can, I can start sharing it. You know, and the things I've talked about with just all the, like, the little underground bands or the bands that, you know, they really went off and mm-hmm. did anything. You know, it's not even talk about Larry Cordell and Ricky Skaggs, Tom yeah. Childers. Even when I was in school, I'll never forget, there was a girl named Yvonne, uh, Yvonne, oh, what's her name? I thought of her name when I was coming up here. She's from up around the Cherryville area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't believe I can't think of her name. But evidently, she was, she was a great singer all through high school and she went off to Nashville and got work as a background singer for some big time Nashville people. Tammy Wynette, I think she worked with oh, Tammy wow. and she toured, I think she still is in Yvonne Jordan. Okay. So Yvonne Jordan is, I guess, still in Nashville hmm. and she was a Louisa person who, who did well. Yeah, we've had some great musicians come out of the area. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that we've been doing since COVID's been going on, um, We've had to change a lot of stuff here at the library. Um, we're not able to do stuff in person. Um, we're having to do a lot of uh, digital stuff. How do you think COVID-19 and just social distancing in general is going to affect music going further? You know, I don't know. When this first happened, I was of the opinion that it would come and go fairly quickly mm-hmm. and things would just snap right back into place. And, we, you know, it'd be something we would look back at, but it wasn't going to have such a big impact. And as it's went on and on and on, what I've seen musically is a lot of venues that were probably just barely staying afloat aren't going to make it through this. So we're going to lose some of those venues we used to play in. Um, I'm looking at my friends. I have a vast no, no, network of friends from Huntington to Ashland to down around Whitesburg. You know, and everyone turned to social media and they do these concerts, you know, and you watch and live stream and maybe give them a tip jar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really changed the way musicians express themselves. For me, I haven't really wanted to play. It's just I'm more of a live, my show is based on live performance and interaction with an audience, mm-hmm. and that's really what makes the laid-back thing work, and you don't get that this way. I have a new record that I was right on the verge of putting out. In fact, I would have already had my CD release party about a month ago, mm-hmm. but all this is on hold. When the dust clears, I guess a few venues are starting to have music now, and they're spacing people out and hoping that's going to work. You know, I think it will get back to where it used to be, but it's going to take a little longer mm-hmm. than I thought. 
and like I said, some of those venues probably aren't going to make it, but what always seems to happen is other venues pop up. Mm-hmm. I heard a thing on radio yesterday, and someone was talking about they're afraid that all these little independent venues are going to be bought up by a, a corporate things, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe Hard Rock or whatever, and that will make it harder for independent artists to yeah. play. I don't, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. What do you think? Hopefully it doesn't go that way. Um, I definitely do. I mean, we've already seen it with, you know, Cosmic Charlie's up in Lexington closing out. Yeah. Uh, the V Club over in Huntington, they did a fundraiser not too long ago just to try and stay afloat. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could see Hard Rock starting to buy places up. And, you know, that is going to hurt the local music scene. You're Absolutely. not going to have, you know, these small bands that are going to try and bring in, you know, big names to bring in big money. And the Kentucky scene, especially the Eastern Kentucky scene, was really, I think social media just really opened the door for, and just the internet in general, for mm-hmm. bands to be independent. Yeah. I don't really need a label, I can do all this on my own, and there was a nice little thriving scene building up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a bump in the road, it's not the end of it, but yeah. it definitely slowed it down. Yeah. I would be in, a, I think, playing Tulsa, Oklahoma today, mm-hmm. had this not happened, we were going to oh, be out geez. west playing. You know, I think about my friend Tyler. Tower was was out with Sturgill. They mm-hmm. were doing a 43-day tour with Sturgill Simpson. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I saw it in Lexington right before COVID shut everything down, and it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And there was Tower and Sturgill playing Rupp Arena. Mm-hmm. And now Tower's sitting at home planting mm-hmm. plant the garden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just crazy the way that COVID has changed everything up. Um, something I saw the other day, I don't know if it's something that was planned beforehand, uh, I saw a Stuart Baker for governor. Absolutely. In South, in, I think it's South Carolina. North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah, one of the Carolinas. And it's like, that's unknown Henson. Yeah. And he's running for governor. I don't know if that's something he's doing just because COVID's going on. And he's like, you know, I can't play music right now. Might as well run for governor. But he seems to have some pretty cool yeah, ideas. I've read a couple of his posts. And he's he- going as a, uh, a ride-in. Yeah, yeah, he, he needed 500 mm-hmm. signatures to, to get on yeah. the ballot, which I think he's achieved. Mm-hmm. And he seems very sincere yeah. in what he's doing. But, you know, it's also interesting is he's on a, he, uh, Squid Squidbillies. Yeah. He's the voice of early on yeah. Squidbillies, so he's a character. And yeah. They seem like a pretty smart guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he puts on a great show, so I'm looking forward to seeing some campaign speeches out of him. Never seen him. Really? Yeah. I've seen him... Two, three times over at the V Club. I had an opportunity. One of the best shows I've seen live. Oh, I've seen these videos. Mm-hmm. He's a phenomenal guitar player. I got a call. There used to be a guy there named Big Don Duncan who mm-hmm. did the booking. He called him wanted me to open for him. I thought, I'll lay back and I know this could be a great That'd show. It was the same week that Kicking on the Creek was going oh, on. Yeah. And I'd already committed to that. Yeah. But hopefully someday maybe I'll get to play mm-hmm. with him now. Yeah, I saw um, he said, you know, he's not doing any more tour dates this year. He's you know, stopping music for a little bit because everything's going on, and he's working on the other, I guess, the campaign. So yeah. hopefully he picks up next year because yeah, it's been a year or so since I got to see him. That's cool. Yeah. I need to check him out. Yeah, I remember uh, something I noticed um, on Facebook. I'm friends with Brandon Woolham. He used to work over at uh, one of the stations in Huntington, and he was posting on Facebook. He had this kind of tally sheet going. It's like, you know, these are all the concerts I'm supposed to see this year. And like every other couple day, he'd mark one off. Like this got canceled, this got canceled, this got canceled. It was just sad. Like I knew it was going to happen, but just seeing. Yeah, when you really see the red line. Through yeah. It. I keep a spreadsheet of all my shows, mm-hmm. and I mean throughout the summer, I'm playing maybe three or four times a week, yeah. and I'm traveling everywhere. You know, and I've gone through that spreadsheet and mm-hmm. just marked out and marked out and marked out. And I don't know. I'm scheduled to be with David Allen Coe in Lexington. 
in about a month, mm -hmm. and I seriously doubt that show's going to happen. Yeah. And I don't know when things will pick back up. Yeah. Maybe September, who knows? I hope so. Um, I know I'm, I'm cool with social distancing. I think it's a great idea. I think it's something that's going to continue on for a while. Yeah. I'm ready to be around people, though. Like, I, for the longest time, I thought, you know, I'd be totally be okay working from home. I am not a homebody. <laughs> you, you find out things. Don't yeah. You? Well, as far as teaching, you know, we finished out the last nine weeks mm -hmm. online, and we were talking earlier. That sounded like it was going to be pretty awesome, yeah. but it wasn't. I really miss the kids. I miss mm -hmm. being in the room. I miss the interaction with them. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't as good as I thought. It really does show because I mean, I'm, I went to school to be a teacher, and I have a bunch of people in education on my Facebook page. So it just shows how you how resilient teachers can be in this kind of situation. Like. It didn't take a long time for teachers to adapt to having to teach in a different way. And I did. It, it, the first week or so, I tried one thing, and I didn't really like it. Mm -hmm. And you're right. You, you find out what works for you. I wound up just going up and video recording lectures mm -hmm. and just talking as if I had a room full of kids and yeah. actually talking to the kids on the video. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way I knew to get through it. Yeah. Other teachers in different subjects dealt with it different ways. So, I mean, we got through it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's far less than ideal. Yeah. And, there's the scary side of this that makes me think this is where education may be going. Yeah. Is it'll become an online situation. Let's hope not. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing I've been wondering about, say, say they do open the schools back up in the fall, kids are still going to have to take a bus to get to school. How are you going to have a packed bus full of kids before if you have to have six feet of distance? with social distancing guidelines. Yeah, the logistics don't really add up. Yeah. You know, there's talks about alternating, like some kids come this day and some mm -hmm. the next day, and then the day they're not at school, they're doing online lessons. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe you're cutting your workload in half. Mm -hmm. But still, I don't know, even a half a bus load if you yeah. can safely carry them. Yeah, because that's what we're doing here right now. Um, half of us here are one day, half of us here in the next. We alternate and we switch weeks. So, because we have to have, um, like, a certain capacity in the library. Um. I think about maybe with high school, well, even with uh, middle school age kids, you know, they can understand social distancing. My wife, Teresa, is a preschool teacher. Mm -hmm. She teaches four-year-olds. They're not going to social distance. Yeah. I mean, they're just not going to do it. And I, I don't know how you deal with that. Yeah. Well, um, is, is there anything you would like to leave us with? No. Uh, first off, I think this is wonderful what you're doing because mm -hmm. I'm a social studies teacher and I'm really interested in the history. Mm -hmm. We were talking earlier, you, you have access to so much Louisa history mm -hmm. here. Uh, I guess I would say pay attention to what's going on. I, you know, I used to listen to my mom and dad talk and my grandma talk, and they would tell these stories about people and places and things, and I don't have a, a good memory, which is not a good trait for a history oh, teacher. Yeah. Oh, I'm the same way. But a lot of that stuff I would just blow past, and I didn't write it down, I didn't document it. And then I have those people have passed on, I don't have anyone to go back and ask, mm -hmm. well, where was this house? Yeah. You know, I was thinking about, and I'm, I'm sorry to ramble, in Louisa, my dad always got his hair cut at this barber shop, which was close to where Cooper's is, which is where the old Big Sandy News was. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of the barbers' name was Art, maybe Art Blackburn, I can't remember his name. And, I, and there was two barbers there. And I was just trying to remember exactly where that barber shop was. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know. And I, there's no one to ask. Yeah. You know, Dad's gone. I'm sure I can find some old-timer here in, in Louisa could tell me, or maybe we'll go through some film mm -hmm. and look at it. But just pay attention and and document the history of what's going on. Like right now, this is an historic time. Yeah. We're going to look back at history books and go, wow, this was, or mm -hmm. we won't, but our children oh, will. Yeah. 
and pay attention to what's going on. Mm -hmm. You're living in history right now, mm -hmm. and and I had a blind eye to a lot of things I wish I would have paid attention to. Yeah. It's like you know my. My grandmother was the quote-unquote old lady beautician here in Lawrence County for years, Helen Dameron. And a while back I started the uh, historical cookbook project here at the library where we have, you know, people submit stories about people, the old recipes that they oh, found, stuff like great. that. So I was going through her cookbook and it's like, you know, working as the genealogy coordinator here at the library, it's really sinking in. I remember stories from her. There's a lot of stuff I wish I'd talked to her about and recorded. Yeah. And there's stuff that we did talk about that I don't have that great a memory of. And it's like, that was such a great resource. You're right. Yeah. And now, I mean, we're all carrying around a, a very high quality camera in our mm -hmm. pocket at all times. It would be so easy to just turn that on and get yeah. to talk. You know, a friend, of, well, actually a relative of mine, Gary Webb, who lived out Twin Branch, he was like the old man historian of that Twin Branch area. Mm -hmm. And I kept saying, I'm going to go out there to Gary, I'm going to put a camera on him and say, go, Gary. Yeah. Tell me the history. And he's passed on now, and I didn't yeah. do that. And we really need to take advantage of one of the technology mm -hmm. we have, which you're doing, yeah. and talk to these old yeah. geezers. I'm not one of the old geezers, though. No, not at all. Okay. You just know a lot about the, something I was wanting to do for this podcast. Well, and what I don't know, I make it. There you go. And just make it sound believable. And it's like we were talking earlier, uh, Virgil Wallace. Absolutely. You know, surveyor here in Lawrence County for a long time. He is somebody that I wanted to interview. And, you know, his health started declining, and yeah. I just didn't get the chance. Yeah, he would have had so much. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember John Ryan used to be our, our historian here in Louisa. Mm -hmm. He knew everything. But as we no longer have these people, you know, we need the others to step up. You know, Caleb, that's, that's your role now. Oh, yeah. You're going to be the Lawrence County historian. <laughs> yeah. Job security. <laughs> hey, that's an important job. Oh, yeah. I love it. All right. So, well, that will be the end of our oral history interview. Chico. Thank you. Hey, thanks for doing the work you're doing. It's very important. I try to do my best. After the interview was finished, Mr. Prince remembered he spoke about his sister but forgot to mention her by name. Her name is Kim Prince, now Kim Hall. Since we talked about local music with the interview from Chico Prince earlier, I decided to go through the issues of the Big Sandy News that you can find on Chronicling America. Uh, Chronicling America is a service offered by the Library of Congress, and they have issues of the Big Sandy from 1885 through 1922, available online for anybody to view. I found in an issue from March 25th, 1921, they're talking about um, the Trinity area of Lawrence County, it said, Willie Thornsbury entertained quite a number of young folks Saturday night. Guitar and violin were played by Cappy and Ursel. About 30 were there and all reported a nice time. On April 14, 1922, a posting about the Garden Theater in downtown Louisa. The article reads, Orchestra at Garden Theater Tonight. O'Neill's six-piece orchestra of Springfield, Ohio, will play at Garden Theater tonight, Thursday, from 7 to 9 o'clock. On April 22, 1904, in a news brief from the Sunnyside area of the county, says, John Holbrook has quit railroading and says he is going to play his banjo the rest of his summer. In the April 5, 1918 issue of the Big Sandy News, under the section Inez Items, it reads that the people of Inez have been entertained by two blonde musicians, Mr. Ed Haley and Mr. Mont Spaulding. They play the violin and guitar. In the December 26, 1919 issue of the Big Sandy News, under the George's Creek section, it reads, 
the stocking social given by Mrs. Vic Burgess for the benefit of her widowed neighbor, Mrs. Preston, was well attended. Although the night was bitter cold, quite a number of young folks from Richardson walked two miles. The music was good. Audie Burgess played the violin and Hubert Preston the guitar. They played games also, but, in quotations, no kissing, mind you. The final news brief that I found talking about playing banjos or guitars comes from the November 28, 1913 issue of the Bing Sandy News. It's actually a reward for somebody who committed a robbery out of Floyd County. It says, $50 reward. I will give a reward of $50 to any person who will catch and hold anywhere in the United States, J.W. Bradley. Description as follows. Small man, heavy set, age about 37, weight 140 to 145 pounds, black hair, black eyes, one gold tooth on left side of upper jaw, clean shaven when last seen, wears number six shoes, hair very thin on top of the head, generally works at public works, plays banjo and fiddle. He left Floyd County on the 8th of November, 1913. He is charged with stealing $80 in cash and with bigamy. When you get him, write me at Grist, Kentucky, and hold him until I come. Reward good until May the 20th, 1914. This, the 20th day of November, 1913. Reward guaranteed by First National Bank of Presenceburg, Kentucky. A.B. Barnett, J.M. Weddington, cashier. With that, I will bring our second episode of the Genealogy Podcast to a close. We are starting with some services on June 1st to the public. We're still closed. We'll be in the the library working, but we are doing curbside drop-off. If you're interested in picking up material, we have to have all overdue items returned to the library so your card is in good standing. You're able to browse our card catalog online through our website at lcplky.org. And we do have a section called New Reads, which has all of the new books that we've gotten back until the beginning of March. So you know what we have in our library. Um, If you're interested in checking material out, just give us a call at the front desk. It's 606-638-4497, extension 1001. Uh, We have two blocks of time we've set aside for curbside pickup every day from 10 a.m. until 12 p.m. and from 2 p.m. until 4 p.m. You're able to drop off material any time of the day or night at our uh, outside book drop, but those are the only windows of time that you're able to pick stuff up. Um, We put a two-day hold on your items, so if you don't pick it up within two days, it goes back on the shelf. I'd like to thank Mr. Prince for doing an oral history interview with us today and talking about local history and music. Hopefully we'll get to have him on the podcast again in the future and talk more about him. If anybody wants to be interviewed for the Oral History Project or knows anybody that would like to be interviewed, feel free to give me a call at the library. Again, our number is 606-638-4497. Or you can shoot me an email at caleb, C-A-L-E-B, at lcplky.org. Thank you. Have a great day.